Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show as we start a new week. Matt Catrillo here with you in the producer chair, as always. And Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Lots of pre-owned inventory. A great service department and sales staff. And it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. The true pros pros. And, of course, the home of the repeat customer. Another home of the true pros pros is our show brought to you by Purdy Insurance every Monday. You're on the Steve Jones Show. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Head to purdyinsurance.com. Home, auto, life, business. You name it, they have it. The pros, pros, and the insurance needs, and that's all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, or head to purdyinsurance.com. We've got a lot of recap from over the weekend. Of course, we now know Penn State's starting point for the Big Ten tournament. It'll be Wednesday night, 8.30 approximately, in Indy, against Minnesota. And if you win that game... You get a day with Ohio State on Thursday. And as far as the Nittany Lions go, we'll have it for you right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 8 o'clock right now is the airtime, 8.30 the tip with Steve and DJ. But that was a tough one yesterday. And again, some of the same things that we've kind of found. I know it's... we make it sound like a broken record here, but that's been the season again for Penn State. First half, not a whole lot to see offensively, but second half, things really start to explode. Seth Lundy had a big game in the, in the big 15-point comeback, but things just fell a little short. So when you look at the path forward now for Penn State to begin the tournament on Wednesday, it seems... It's it, This game against Minnesota is winnable. No doubt about that. Everybody, each team winning on their home floor. Last time, of course, both these teams played, Minnesota was shorthanded when they played at Bryce Jordan Center. Penn State losing a tough one out there in, in uh, Minnesota a few weeks back. So this this will be an interesting matchup to see how this unfolds. But if Penn State's going to make any sort of noise... It's the things that I think Micah Shrewsbury talked about with Stephen Dick Girardi there post game yesterday. It's winning the turnover battle, 
taking care of the basketball, winning the 50-50 opportunities, make sure that you're on point defensively and with rebounding because that's how that's the strength of your team. You're not your strength is not getting in high-scoring affairs. And you just got to make shots when they count and avoid th- some of these long droughts that have plagued Penn State, especially in second half of games. So, we'll see how it goes. You know, like I said, I think this is a winnable game for Minnesota, but the consistencies just haven't been there as of late to end the year that, that you maybe thought a few weeks back you could have seen, maybe after the Michigan State game. I, I, I don't know if I would have totally seen the way the season has the regular season has concluded for Penn State but that's just me are you complaining again (laughs) no no complaints here it was a pretty good weekend other than MLB continuing to be stupid but that's no surprise no I'm the one that's got the big complaints I I'm gonna start out look I understand when you start a game and you're four for 24 from the field you know, and you're just not getting, you know, you score 21 points in the first half. Okay. You're hoping to get off to a better start in the second half. Somehow, some way, you get through the first half, and despite your four for 24 and whatever, the free throw line does keep you in it. No question. Definitely keeps you in it. And you are down eight at halftime. So, like, okay, you know, can you close the gap? Well, then... You don't close the gap. You fall behind by 15. So you're playing uphill, 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 uphill all day. And all of a sudden, about nine minutes to go, you hit some stride. Okay. You hit stride. And you've been playing, for the most part, you know, first part of the second half, you didn't play great defense. Yeah. The only part of the game you didn't play great defense was the first part of the second half. Amori got a got some slam got what three slam dunks, and all of a sudden you hit stride and you're back to playing the defense you played in the first half, and then you start hitting some shots. You play a far more normal second half, forty seven percent from the field. Now you're hitting some threes. And you battle your guts back all the way to tie it at 55. Okay? They get some free throws. They weren't very good at the free throw line, Rutgers. Sam hits a three. And then there's 7.2 seconds to go. Okay. So now you're down one. 7.2 seconds to go. And Mulcahy, who is a good player, I think he makes good, for the most part, he makes good decisions. He really is the facilitator on that team. He's exactly the guy, if I'm Steve Peichel, I want taking the ball out of bounds. Micah Shrewsbury makes a great move and puts Jelani White in the game for the first time all day. Why? Because of his length and his jumping ability. So Mulcahy goes to throw the ball in. And Jelani's jumping up and down, and Mulcahy can't get the ball in. Now, I don't really know if, you know, I don't think it's a five-second violation. But he throws the ball in. Now, there's 7.2 in the clock. 
The ball doesn't touch White. The ball doesn't touch Ron Harper. It touches the first person is Seth Lundy. What does the clock say when Lundy touches the ball? 5.8. They started the clock. They started the clock too soon. Clock doesn't start until somebody touches the ball. So the end sequence goes through, right? And Pickett puts it back. Guess what? Sitting there, like, man, when you've done as many games as we've done, you're like, man, that felt fast. Something's not didn't feel right about that. Well, we've got stuff we have to do. I mean, right away we got Micah on on the line for the post game show, which you just heard on the on the network. So we talked to him. We don't bring it up because again, we we haven't looked, we haven't really looked at it yet. But it seemed wrong. But he didn't bring it up because he hadn't looked at it yet. All right. And then we have to do the stats, so he didn't get a chance to look at it. Now, before we get to the third one, Dick is really looking at it, Dick Girardi. He's really looking at it. He says, oh, man. I said, what? He says, he says, Seth's the first person to touch the ball. Nobody else touched it. He said 1.4 seconds ran off the clock before he touched the ball. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. He says, well, I don't really know how to time this out with Pickett. I said, well, it's easy to time out with Pickett. Okay, from the time I said Lundy touches it, said set your stopwatch because Dick was using a stopwatch. He said set your stopwatch to seven point two, and if Pickett gets the shot off, Pickett got the shot off at like point four. <laughs> I sure you got to be kidding me. So I said, well, let's see. Let's just see if it hit anybody. Did it hit White? Well, that's one thing right away you can see right away. White, Lonnie never touches the ball. Jelani never touches the ball. He's jumping up and down, but he doesn't touch. In fact, he doesn't really come close to touching it. But, boy, he did a great job of of fouling up Mulcahy's vision. But he doesn't touch it. Harper's close, but he doesn't touch it either. He's close, but he doesn't touch it. First person to touch it is Lundy. And I, I said, I said, you can. now we talked about it briefly in the final segment. Once we kind of pieced it all together, and you sit there and you just. I admit, I, I mean, I, I'm driving back yesterday. I'm just, I was steaming mad about because every, every time I turn around, there's something bizarre or different that happens that just isn't right, and you know it's not right. And now, well, got to go to the next game, which, by the way, I've done. I mean, I, you know, I, I have, you know, I've already got the Minnesota game prepped. And you know, I've got, you know, and should the game should Penn State win, I've got the Ohio State game prep because that's the next opponent. You know, because you got to make sure you stay ahead of the game in this thing. Okay. Um. And you do a game at Illinois where you get outscored 
15 to 1 at the free throw line, where the only time a Penn State player gets to the free throw line is five minutes into the game on a three point shot. And for the last 35 minutes, not one single foul is committed that puts Penn State at the free throw line. Okay. All right, I've got the game in front of me here. There was a play. Lundy's going down the lane. It was, and we had a wide open look. And Hawkins kind of bumped him at the foul line. He bumped him halfway down the lane line. Boom, then boom, hit him again. It's like, and Dick looked at me. He says, "What are you going to do to get a foul around here?" I said, "Don't look at me. I have no idea." And then, of course, there was the play where Hawkins hustles after after the ball. Right, Dread hustles after the ball. They tie it up. They call the foul on Dread. Penn State would have had the alternate possession. Now, does Penn State win? I don't know. But Penn State have missed nine straight shots. They were one for their last 11. So none of that helped. But at the same time, you look at stuff like that and you go, you have to be kidding me. Really? Because Dredd looked over at everybody at the bench. He said, well, what are you talking about? I just tied the ball up. All right. And they called a foul on. And that meant, of course, Hawkins goes to the free throw line. And you just shake your head and say, you know, okay. <sighs> All right. And I talked about it Friday, how much I respect the guys that did the game. I, th- I think Paul and Kimball and Brooks, are re- all three are really good officials. But when it's done, you're like, you're outscored 15-1 to one and only one foul, only one foul in the Illinois game was deliberate by Penn State to put Illinois at the line. So only one was. So only two of the free throws were deliber- were from a deliberate foul. That was it. And then I see yesterday's game, and the clock starts when nobody touches the ball? Like I said, you, you're watching it in real time, and of course, you know, I'm like, you, when you've done as many games as we've done, you know when it seems slow, and like, hey, did the clock start? Or you know when it seems fast, like, that was fast. That didn't feel right, and it didn't feel right. Now, I called it straight on the air. You know, he puts the shot up to win the game, no good. Pickett puts it back, but it's too late, and Rutgers survives. That's how I called it. All right. And then, but then you sit back, and it's over, and like that seemed fast. And then you know, between stopwatches and everything else, we're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me! One point four seconds ran off the clock before the ball was touched. Really? And so you're trying to piece? Did White touch it? Okay, because you're trying to be. You, you want to make? Nope. Did Harper touch it? Was close, but no. So you can sit there and go, well, they are four for twenty-four, and the stars are going to please. It's a forty-minute game. You want to know how many baskets Rutgers scored in the final five minutes and thirty-five seconds? How many baskets do you think Rutgers had in the final five thirty-five, Matt, of this forty-minute game? Two. None. Rutgers didn't have a single basket the last 535 of the game. It's a 40-minute game. 
Penn State created a Rutgers scoring drought the last five and a half minutes from the field. Okay, with excellent defense, plus Rutgers was trying to run clock, trying to run clock, right? Because you know they were just trying to they were trying to shorten the game. Rutgers was, and they, they got away from what they were doing. And Penn State, in turn, would come down, convert, boom, come down, get a stop, all right, convert. All of a sudden, you know, now the game pressure's on, and Rutgers didn't handle the game pressure down the stretch very well because all the game heat was on them. But then this happens, and you sit back and say, you've got to be kidding me. And then I'm wondering when I got home, I said, well, let me see what, you know, what the BTN guys have to say about this. How about nothing? They acted as if it was like, oh, boy, Rutgers really needed that win. Well, how about this? How about Rutgers probably didn't win the game? How about that one? Take a look at it, Matt, when you get a chance. Take a look at the end of the game. 1.4 seconds goes off the clock. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a second look at this because just when I was when I was watching it, it looked like that there was some confusion with the ball. And I, and I thought that Penn State just didn't know, whoever, whoever had the ball at the time, just didn't know if they, if they had the time, that they knew the timeout situation or not because something felt off. I definitely agree with you there. But I just thought it, just, it was just somebody not knowing the situation, which happens sometimes, and no, then Penn State I mean, was no. too late. But no, this, no, this perfectly explains it. Lundy got the ball, and Lundy looked up, and he said, I got to get rid of this thing because – you know, when he he got rid of it with at, with I don't know, he gets it at at five point eight. Then he turns, so it takes a little like a little bit to and turn and looks up and goes. And he got rid of it. The Sesums and Sesums comes down and Sesums puts the ball up. He looked at Dread, but Omori is closing on Dread, and with those long arms of his, he's closing on him. So that's why I think Sam said, "Hey, look, it, it might get blocked. So I I better take it." Right, so I understand why Sam did. Everybody for Penn State did everything right on that play. White did, Lundy did, Sesums did. Sam, Sam made the right choice. I, mean, I think his inclination was to go to Miles on the wing, but Amori's really running at him. Uh, and so Penn State doesn't do anything wrong. It's just like, man. That was fast. I don't know. No, I, I didn't notice this, so maybe you saw it, Steve. Did Micah talk to the officials afterwards to like even to take a look no, at it? Is that something no, they can review? No, he he congratulates Steve Peichel. Okay. Um, that that's what he did. It just. It seemed and felt fast, but I didn't say anything about it, and I didn't ask him about it because at that point I didn't. I I said I only had a gut feeling, but it was that it was fast, but I didn't know for sure. And it wasn't until I said, you know, it's like we got a look. Dick took a long, hard look at it. For I mean, he looked at it first. Okay. Um. He's the one that looked at it first, and he really took a long look at it. And then finally, I got a look at it, and I was like, oh, "You gotta be!" It's like it's just one of those like under the category. You gotta be kidding me, really? 
It's just you just walk out of these places sometimes. You say to yourself, you feel like you've seen every conceivable thing, and now you see this. Well, that's one I hadn't seen before. Uh, now it's funny when the clock doesn't start, everybody's aware of it, right? Okay. Everybody's aware when the clock doesn't start, but boy, I'll tell you, very few people are aware. When the clock starts early, and it look, and the three officials are looking for a thousand things. They're not looking at the clock, okay? So th- this is not them, all right. But after a while, you just kind of sit back, and there's a party just like is getting sick of all these different elements that come up. Just have, you know, it'd be nice if everybody just went out and did their job. Do your job, right? And whoever's in charge of that thing didn't do their job. Oh well. Just looked at it, clear as day. That that's a that's a bad miss on the officials. Well, that, they should have they should have they should have noticed that, blew the whistle, went to the well, scores table, and fixed it. Yeah, but see, they got a lot going on, so I'm not talking about them. It's just that the whole thing's the other part's wrong. When car repairs get difficult, well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. In an ever-changing world, one thing you can always count on is the service at Purdy Insurance. Hi, this is Season. While the world is constantly changing, Purdy Insurance is dedicated to providing you with the highest level of service to protect you, your family, and your business. Give us a call today at 570-286-5855. Go to our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, boat, motorcycle. You know. Matt, of course, goes to work back and forth on a four-wheeler. It's all at Purdy Insurance, the best in the business. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. So I guess... Uh, uh, Um, uh, Mercy brought Bullers to work today, right? She did. Right. So it's on Facebook. <laughs> that she, 
<laughs> Normally, I guess when she she tells bully that uh, bullers bully, you know, it's bullers, but we call you know, we'll call him bully. Uh, to work, he's like, oh, I'm pretty happy, but he, <laughs> I guess he get he growled. That I didn't hear. Okay, you got to see the picture. <laughs> the picture she took is a riot. All right, it's an absolute riot. So of course you're getting responses. <laughs> so you know me, I never respond to stuff, right? You, it, ta- it takes a lot. Of, I mean, I'll, I'll wish. I'll, I'll tell you what I usually do. I wish somebody happy birthday, something like that. You know, I'll do that. All right. But <laughs> so I sent a response. I said, "This is what happens when you tell somebody they're going in to see the suit." <laughs> Get the lingerie <laughs> on the deck. Call the janitor. There you go. <laughs> I, I could, I, sorry, Michelle, I couldn't help it. Uh, Calvin Ridley, by the way, of the Atlanta Falcons has been suspended for the entire season for 2022. Calvin Ridley, gone. Done. Gone. For betting on games. We've talked about this before, that it's something that the NFL, every sport, is going to be very aware of, but the betting on games. So we'll get to that in a moment, but it just broke. Adam Schefter is the one that broke the story. Uh, But I had to tell the story about (laughs) because, you know, Bullers has overcome cancer. I mean, Bullers is a great dog, right? Great dog. So, so, so we all we get all all these updates about Bullers all the time. When I saw that, I couldn't resist. So, Michelle, I'm sorry I couldn't resist. <laughs> but I'm glad he's in the station today. Um, you know, we talked about the end of the Penn State Rutgers game. I, I just, I just. Man, it just there's too many things that happen where you just sit there and it's like after a while you get sick of it, right? You know, you know, you play a lousy game against Nebraska. Okay, Nebraska, you know, you played a lousy defensive game, and it's like okay, and they won the game. Okay, now you miss a bunch of shots down the stretch against Illinois. Right? It ends up being a five-point loss. When you're playing all these close games, and Penn State's now four and seven in games decided by five or less, and when you're playing at the pace Penn State plays at, it's a low-possession game, you play the kind of defense Penn State plays, you're going to be in a lot of close games. So they, they, then they, they start some swing factors come into play. And you ask yourself at some point, when are one of these swing factors going to break Penn State's way. You know, when, when's a swing factor instead of being outscored fifteen to one at the free throw line on the road? When's it going to be like, well, you got to outscore the free throw line, but it was fifteen to seven and you won the game by two? When's that going to happen? Right? You get to the end, you fight back, you fight. Yeah, you go four for twenty-four from the field, four for twenty-four first half, only scored twenty-one points. It's just like, oh, yay. Right? You don't start the second half well. You're down 15. You're playing uphill, playing uphill. 
And then you hit stride, and your defense is as good as it was in the first half, and now your offense is way better than it was in the first half, and you're climbing back and climbing back and climbing back, and on the road, you tie the game. And you force the other team to not hit a shot the final 535. Hmm. And then at the end, nobody in the world seems to notice the clock starts. Nobody. Network TV doesn't notice. Studio guys don't notice. Nobody notices. Yet, in all the games that you do in your career, you and the guy that you work with, Twins Two of Us, have probably been physically at, I don't know, 2,500, 3,000 games in our career. Okay? Right in that neighborhood, three between the two of us, 3,000 games in our career. It felt fast. You know, like going, okay? I mean, believe me, you can tell, like, boy, that felt slow, right? Well, it felt like, hmm. Now, you don't want to say anything at the end of the game because you're not sure, okay? Like, okay. And then Mike goes on, so, you, I mean, we didn't ask him about it because didn't know. You know, so now you're kind of taking your time. You're really going through, like, going, nobody touched the ball. You're like, what the heck? Of 1.4 seconds ran off the clock at f- from 7.2 to 5.8. Really? Because it's one thing if Sam misses the shot and the rebound goes to Rutgers or gets boxed around and whatever. You know, you don't think about. It. But Pickett took the ball and put it right back up and and put it in. Now because it's zeros and it's red, you know, red in the boy. You know, I I, call, I I called it right at the end. I said. For three to win the game, no good. Pickett's rebound, put back, won't count. Rutgers survives. Pretty simple, straightforward call. All right? But then you're looking at it later and saying, oh, you got to be kidding me. Now this happens. You just sit there and, and you feel like it's just because, you know, you feel like nobody cares. You feel like nobody cares. BTN Studio guys, I'm watching last night. I finally get home about seven o'clock last night. I'm watching. No, nope, don't even mention it. They just act like, hey, Rutgers said it's a game they could they really could ill afford to lose. Well, how about this? They might have lost it. But did you you know, was that brought up? No. They show the sequence end of the game sequence. You're watching the end of the game sequence, I go, Well, they'll talk about like, you know, the controversial ending. No, no controversial ending, really. But you're expected to go to the next one, which is what I've done. I've already prepped the Minnesota game, and in case Penn State wins, I've already prepped the Ohio State game. Okay, you got to stay. This time of the year, you do have to stay ahead. When you know the next opponent, the next opponent isn't playing, you can get that. That way, you stay ahead because I'm still going to have to do the shows. Our show out in uh, Indianapolis, I'll do the show out there Wednesday, and if they win, I'll do the show out there Thursday as well. So you got to stay ahead. You just shake your head and you like you just kind of sit back and say, you kind of get after a while you get like sick and tired of like you got to be kidding me. Where you got and I know they're playing all these close games, so there's going to be more of those moments. But you sit back and say, wait a minute, when is the world going to going to see some stuff I'm seeing here? I'm sitting there. No offense, but. For the most part, I pretty much know what I'm talking about. 
All right, let's get to a couple other things. Uh, hockey. We'll have Brian Tripp on later in the week. So they lose. It's a best of three. They lose Friday night. Now, Ohio State needs to win this best of three to get to the semifinals, and it will put them in the NCAA tournament. Doggone Penn State wins on Saturday. Ties the series. And I texted Brian Tripp, and I said, what a great win for Guy and the, and the players. He says, yeah, isn't it fabulous that at least they get to this point? And I said, Brian, and I texted him back and said, Brian, you'll be amazed at the confidence they'll play with tomorrow, Sunday, because they won today. And doggone, they won. And here is Dylan Lugas, right? It's the third period against Ohio State. In by Lugris. Centers high slot. McEachern tucks it back from the top of the far circle. Denaples back door. Lugris fires. He scores! Did it miss that time? Dylan Lugris gives Penn State the lead. An absolute rifle by Lugris. A goal in back to back games. And a player who wasn't even on the roster in the first semester has given Penn State a one-goal lead with 6.53 to play in a deciding Game 3. And that's Brian Tripp's call. And to the credit, uh, Value City Arena sounded like the Ohio State Library uh, after that. I thought it was very quiet. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. A great moment. Again, and that was from a league, for example. I mean, he, he, and it's a league you don't normally get players from. But they found a gem in this kid, and he's, he's had a couple of big goals for them. Wrestling. Well, so let's get to the wrestling part of it. Michigan wins. Um, and... At the NCAA, at the uh, Big Ten Wrestling Championship. So let's let's start with what are the three things I look at uh, from my point of view. Number one, when it comes to a conference championship or a league championship, and I and, and I really I started looking at this decades ago when Penn State was in the EWL. And the first thing I always looked at when they were at the EWL championship, number one was. How many do Penn State qualify for the NCAAs? It's always the first thing I look at. And in this case, Penn State got nine through. It's always the first thing I look for. Then the next part is how many won individual titles. This time Penn State won four. The irony is of all the people, for goodness sakes, of all the people that did not win, it was Aaron Brooks. Really? Wow. Um... I mean, I can tell you at, at Little Caesars up in Detroit, that will be avenged, <laughs> all right? Uh, that will be avenged. Aaron Brooks will win the national championship. And then the final part is, did you win the league or conference championship, EWL Years gone by, now the Big Ten. And Penn State finished second. But the first thing to me is how many guys got through? They got nine through. Then how many champions? They got four of them. 
the irony is Brooks was not one of them. You're, you're looking around like Aaron Brooks was not one of them. Really? I mean, that will be taken care of in Detroit. And then, it, you know, then did, did they win it? Well, Michigan won it. Now, Michigan was able to actually pick up a couple of points here and there because Penn State got buys, which is what you want. I mean, you want buys. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> All right. But Michigan actually picked up a couple, you know, a couple points here and there because they had some guys that won in the opening round because they had to wrestle early. You know, and when every point's valuable, that that's that's interesting. Um, you want buys, believe me. You don't want you don't want to expend an extra seven minutes. That's for sure. You don't want to do that. You don't want to spend the extra seven minutes. <laughs> All right. So it's on to Detroit. The NFL suspending Calvin Ridley for the entire 2022 for the entire 2022 season for betting on games. Wow. And it looks like Amazon's going to hire Kirk Herbstreet to be their analyst for Thursday Night Football. And ESPN's trying to work out a trade to get Joe Buck from Fox. Crazy, huh? Then John Skipper says, "Look, you don't get us any ratings from based on your broadcast team," and he's probably right. I mean, you know, you, you I mean, people watch the game because of the game, but a really good broadcast team does enhance the experience of watching the game. I mean, how many times do you have people watching? A, a Penn State game on TV, and it's like, you know, it's the E and F group, <laughs> right? And they say, "Oh God, it was." Yeah, I watched it because it was Penn State, but boy, it was miserable. <laughs> it's like you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that too, but in this day and age now, it's going to give you better games. And if ESPN gets Joe Buck, so you have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman for MNF, you've got. Uh, let, let's just say Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit for TNF on uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Sunday nights always always popular on NBC, but it's Mike Tirico now with Chris Collinsworth. Yep. This is going to be really, really interesting to see who gets the upper hand here. I don't necessarily think it's going to well, be NBC anymore. It, it, it's not. A, well, no, NBC is going to get great. Sunday night is the, is the night. Okay, no matter what, they're going to have the best games, and they should have the best games. It's it's no offense, but it's the prime time slot, and their production is outstanding. You feel like it's the biggest game of the week. You're not going to get Jacksonville against Tennessee, right? No, I I, I get that, and NBC's product is very good. Don't get me wrong, but I I just think ESPN is going to maybe I think Monday Night Football might get risen 
the level of Monday Night Football might get risen slightly well, if they get well, if you have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman there now. You might get better games. Yeah. Right, which means the Eagles will be on Thursday. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> In this scenario, sure, whatever. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's amazing how the Giants are never on. All right. Oh, that's right. They were on against Washington. That's right. And Washington missed a field goal, and the Giants lined up offsides. It's just you sit back and you wonder why you're not coaching anymore. F-O-U-L-E-G, that spells falta. Hey, how about my guy, Ed DeCellis, by the way? They got Colgate for the Patriot. That's right. If Ed can can somehow win in Hamilton, that will be the third different school he's brought to the NCAA tournament, East Tennessee State, Penn State, and Navy. I'm rooting like heck for him. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance.